I understand what that song means now. I gotta go back and listen to that song. See, I ain't understand the song. We sing songs, don't even understand. I'm telling you, Zion is calling hit different when you actually move into a higher place. It hit different. We exalt the hit different when you actually exalt God. Episode 149. To God be glory. We're so grateful for all that God has done. Try and get the levels right for you. There we go. Episode 149. Real Church Matters, where we talk Real Church Matters because Real Church Matters. I'm Forrest Hall. Always greet you in the love of God. Pray that you receive it every single day of your life. I'm so grateful. Shout out to each and every listener, all of you who take the time to listen to these podcasts, sometimes over and over. Uh, I appreciate those who write reviews, those who share it, those who put five stars. I appreciate those who hit me back with little quotes that they appreciated and things that they meditated on. Uh, I love that. It's encouraging. Let's me know that this is not in vain, even though by faith, I should believe that it is not in vain because the Bible tells us to not be weary in our well-doing. So I first must be doing, then I must make sure I'm doing well, and then I have to make sure I'm not being weary about it. Yeah. A lot of times you could just take a scripture and reverse it and see your action plan. But I believe the scripture should have action plans. I believe that you should be able to read the word and then achieve the word. That's the way it goes. Read the word, receive the word, achieve the word. Hey, we might even have to say, read the word, believe the word, receive the word, achieve the word. I'm just working this out right now, right before your eyes. Um, what else? Uh, happy Labor Day. The only reason I'm recording one is because it hit my heart. That this is the perfect, oppor- <clears throat> perfect opportunity to give you something to listen to with your family. And this is a very important Subject. Shout out to Philip, who will soon be with me. Uh, I prepared a, a, a discussion for us. And um, shout out to my dad, who asked, uh, is there a podcast today? Which I thought was cool. Warmed the uh, cockles of my heart. I mean, who wouldn't want their dad listening to their podcast? Oh, you guys did talk about crazy stuff but me i want everybody to listen yeah let's get to it shall we as always obedience over audience obedience over audience obedience over audience obedience over audience now i'm gonna tell you something i had to literally remind myself of that this past wednesday as i um i preached a message And sometimes I'm telling you guys, uh, you have to keep rehearsing obedience over audience because sometimes the audience matters too much to you. Um, In one particular way, the audience mattered to me is that I started to feel like the word was falling on deaf ears. But let me encourage you. 
with something that uh, came upon my heart yesterday night. I cannot be concerned with how people view what I say or view me. I can only be concerned with how God views me. Why? Because I can very clearly know how God will perceive me based on what is in my heart. I cannot know how people will perceive me because they don't know my heart. They will be taking me at face value, at word value, at tone value, at action value. And sometimes, let's put it this way. They should be able to perceive or see God in you. That is on you to make sure it is very clear. But there are some who refuse to see what they can see. Stupid computer. They refuse to see what they can see because they would rather see what they want to see. And whatever fits their narrative. And, you know, I'm not a a people talker type of person like, oh, haters and stuff like that. I'm more talking to understanding that people can be darkened in their understanding and they can use that darkness as a lens to perceive you. And it won't be favorable, but you have to be concerned about only how God views you. And you know how God views you because you can take a look in your heart. If your heart is not operating in the the capacity that God commands it to, then you know how God feels about you. You do. I know how God feels about me. I can be operating in the full capacity that God commanded of his people. And there's people who still won't receive it. I know that because Jesus told us. Jesus said, you can be as perfect as you need to be for me, but these people will only see what they want to see and they will persecute you like they did me. So keep that in mind, guys. Um, Always keep that in mind that you you're here for an audience of one. And so uh, I preached a message about unity and There's some things that I didn't get to in the message. So this is like a director's cut, let's say. And uh, I'm going to go in reverse of how I did it on um, Sunday. I mean, no, Wednesday. Psalms 133 and 1 says, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. And there's not a lot of promises or things that can be made about this earth. Uh, uh, that are positive. Um, We're going to see pain. We're going to see anguish. We're going to see persecution. We're going to see hard times. But what this scripture lets me know is that no matter how hard the world is, I can live in a good and pleasant place when I'm together in unity with the people around me. It changes our environment. Some of you don't enjoy being home. You don't enjoy being at church. You don't enjoy being around your family. That is not an enjoyable experience for you. It is not good. It is not pleasant. You are married, but you do not find your marriage to be good and pleasant. You have children, but you do not find those engagements to be good and pleasant. 
You're at your job, but you do not find those times to be good and pleasant. You are alive and you do not find your time on this earth to be good and pleasant. It is because you have missed a vital component. You need to gather together in unity. You need unity in your home. You need unity amongst your coworkers. It's possible. You need unity amongst your business partners. You need unity in your marriage. You need unity in your church. You need unity. It's what makes life good and pleasant. No matter what I was facing or going through, just to be able to come home and sit with my family and say, can y'all pray with me? Even in my hardest times emotionally, I am in a good and pleasant place because I dwell in unity. I've been missing this. You've been missing this. We've been missing this beautiful thing that is afforded to us. If we can only dwell together in unity. Notice how he says in unity. He lets us know that there is a situation that we can dwell together. But not be in unity. For many, many years, I'm 39. Uh, for many years, I've I've spent time with my family. We've dwelled together, but it hasn't always been in unity. I've been a part of the church that I'm a part of now for 20 years now. Since I was 19. And we've dwelled together up until COVID. But we haven't always done it in unity. I know you remember some good times. I know you remember some fun times with your family. I know you remember some fun times at your church. What you have to understand, though, is that this type of unity doesn't dissipate, doesn't wane. It isn't on one minute, off the next. It is good. It is pleasant. And it will always be as long as you are in unity. That's the experience that the people in Acts felt when they came together, 3,000 strong, and they believed and they had all things in common. And the people who had need, their needs were met. Even in this trying time where people were persecuted, where it was not easy for Christians, they experienced a good and pleasant place of unity. Philippians one twenty seven says, only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. I want to. I want to start there. I almost want to. Um, I don't know. Maybe um, I'm watching too many Tenet trailers, but I I just look at the scriptures backwards and they kind of make sense to me. So at the top of the scripture it says, "Let your conversation." We know if you've been listening to these podcasts, you know conversation means behavior, your manner. Of living, your manner of character. Let your behavior be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. He's saying, let it be in step with the gospel of Christ. I want you to understand that if we're not in unity, that our behavior is not becoming to the gospel of Christ. It is not suitable, it's not civilized, it is not in step with the gospel of Christ. You can be as holy as you want to be, but if you're a holy roller and you roll on your own, you are not behaving in the way 
of Christ. Christ unified. Remember when John the Baptist had disciples and they came and said, hey, hey, Jesus is around. And and should we be with him? Should we be with you? He said, no, no, y'all go with Jesus. I came to prepare, prepare his way. I am a part of what Jesus is doing. We are unified. We ain't just be born together. We here to walk this thing together. We had to die together. We had to be unified. When Jesus came, there was a, a foundation there because they were unified. Everybody knows their role. Everybody is in the same place, same mind, same agenda. You look at these situations, just look at the end of Philippians one twenty-seven. He says, striving together. For the faith of the gospel. One mind striving together for the faith of the gospel. In order for us to have this proper behavior, in order for us to have this proper way of living that is pleasing to God, we must have one mind, one spirit, striving together for a purpose. I want you to know that there are many people who come together and strive together, but not for the faith of the gospel. There are many people who are in church and come together to start programs, to run churches, to help the sick and the needy. All wonderful things, but all of it is supposed to be under the umbrella of striving together for the faith of the gospel. We're supposed to be promoting faith in God. We're supposed to be instilling faith in God. We're supposed to be encouraging faith in God. What we do a lot of times in churches and in our homes is build faith in us. So now I have faith in my spouse. I have faith in my pastor. I have faith in my children, but I don't have faith in God. And when any of those very unstable variables lose their way, I lose my faith. One mind, one spirit striving together for the faith of the gospel. I want you to understand that word striving denotes effort. This is not something you can just sit and forget. You don't get to kick back your heels, put your feet up on your ottoman and let the faith of the gospel just mature and matriculate. That's not what happens. If the faith of the gospel is to be spread, if the faith of the gospel is to be expanded and built upon, it will be on our backs. Effort. How many of you think daily of how you can expand the gospel, expand faith in God in your homes? In the midst of figuring out what you're going to cook for dinner. In the midst of figuring out how you're, you're going to navigate all your kids in virtual learning, in the midst of just balancing life, how many people are thinking, scheming, inventing, devising ways to expand the gospel in their home? The most unfortunate thing that I always see is I see leaders in church rolling their sleeves up and getting in the trenches of the community and leaving their homes to be destroyed. 
calling other people's children your sons and daughters, but forgetting your own children. There's a reality. The reality is, is that we are constantly going to have to face the fact that we ain't doing this right. We're just not. But it's time to. And I'm t- I'm showing you how I, I was telling a brother yesterday. It, every time that I speak, it should be to direct you and give you an understanding of what to do. Why else do you learn? I realized the reason why I was a, a poor student at school is because I didn't see how what I was learning was applicable to my life. Because once I got to a point where I was learning things that I felt I needed to know that I could apply, I learned immensely and quickly and effectively and efficiently. And I realized I am self-taught in a lot of things that I do in my business. I'm self-taught in in a lot of the other realms that I, I have skills. I have taught myself. I avidly read as it relates to things that I can apply. I never was a book reader just out of sheer entertainment. I don't even want my nephew, shout out to Solomon, I don't want him to read books just for sheer entertainment. I don't want you sitting and reading Harry Potter just for the sake of it. I want to find books that you can find something to pull from to apply to your life, even if it's fiction. Nonfiction, fiction, I realized that That's why I didn't do well in school. I did not see the purpose of a lot of those things. Was I wrong in some respects? Yeah. Um, English is very important. I struggle with spelling sometimes. I am finding myself learning how to properly write out thoughts in a grammatical way. Because though I I can speak in in a good way, writing those things down, all of a sudden they look bad because I'm missing commas and periods, semicolons and hyphens. I I, I suck at grammar. So I've been going back and and studying that stuff so I can um, properly write these books. But um, yeah, it's in us that we have to seek to know how. And that's what I'm trying to give you. I want to show you how, how we're supposed to strive together. How we're supposed to be one spirit and one mind, how we're supposed to do that is important, not just playing with this stuff, not just having a understanding of it. But what are you telling me that I can apply? You should be thinking of ways to build the faith of your family. You should be thinking of ways to unify your family. You should be thinking of ways to drive your family Closer to God. You should be finding ways to do that. Let me tell you something I'm doing right now that you can apply to your life. I'm being more intentional about thinking of those ideas and then sharing them with people as attainable goals and letting them know that I'll be in my engagement with them. I'll be trying to find ways to make these goals come true. It could be something as simple as developing their skills. It could be something simple as causing them to engage with one another. I, I'm challenging my nephew to reach out to his grandparents. I'm challenging my own, my brother to reach out to his nephew. I'm challenging 
my, uh, my family members to be more uh, more uh, intentional about their engagements. I'm doing that because that's what striving to the faith of the gospel is. And you may say, how? Well, God is love. Encouraging people to love needs to be more than you need to love. No, it needs to be. Here are some ways that we can play out love in our lives and in the lives of the people around us so that we can be pleasing to God. One of the things I said in my message that I think is is applicable here, and I'll just put it in here so it's a snapshot for everybody to hear, is I'm not satisfied with iron sharpening iron anymore. In my mind, I want iron to remove wrinkles. I want to help you prepare you for the coming of God. For the time when your life is done so that you are prepared and you are ready to be received. That's intentional. That's intentional because that should be the way it is. For the believer So let's We're moving backwards So uh, striving together that, That's what we're doing We're being intentional together We're working together Towards a goal We're finding people You can't do some of this stuff by yourself You gotta grab on to people Who are headed the same way as you Who are walking a little ahead of you It doesn't matter Reach out, connect, put yourself in a position to move forward in the gospel. My mother's my mother has has been a great influence in my life and many people's lives. In my early years, especially. Both my parents have been a very integral part of my growth in my latter years. As I've watched my father grow, as I've watched my mother continue to grow. There's the thing, though. I should continue to pull from them so that we can help each other move towards a greater faith in the gospel. The baton don't just get passed and then it's done. We are we are together. We're moving together. We're growing together. We're pushing one another. So that we can have some things happen. Part of part of this striving together uh, for the faith of the gospel is making sure we are in one mind. That's that's very important. One mind. What does that mean? Let me help you out. One mind means we are agreeable. We agree on the same things. We see the same things. We are we have a vantage point. We're standing on the same rock. So we see the world the same way. We got to stand on the same word so we see the world the same way. Some of you, you know that you don't agree with people's views. You know that they they see things where I have I have siblings. We don't see eye to eye with certain things. I'm not okay with that. I will continue to endeavor till we have an understanding and agree on what it is to serve God and how it should look. It's not okay to agree to disagree. That doesn't put us in one mind where there is not one mind. The enemy can come and cause chaos. He can. 
one mind, one mind. People are like, man, I, you know, I, I'm serving the Lord, but there's chaos in my house. That's because you may be the head of your household. So the, you got the front door locked, but there's some other people in your house that don't agree. So there's windows open. There's back doors open where the enemy can come and cause chaos, confusion, disruption, division. Your job is to endeavor to have a home that operates in one mind. Well, I don't want no robots. I don't want people to just do. No, no, you don't understand what there's. There's a problem right there. There's a perspective issue when people look and say, I want to think for myself and I, I don't want to be a robot. They don't understand what serving God means. Like you don't have individuality in the kingdom of God. You have oneness. Individuality is not what God is promoting. He's promoting, let this mind be in you that's also in Christ Jesus. We are supposed to be, emulate Christ. Our individuality is forfeited. If you don't agree with that, then you are not in agreement with the word of God. So you are not one with the word of God. So you are not in God. problem with people's view of Christianity is they make it like it's elastic and it's not. It doesn't stretch to fit your narrative. I talked about this before. I think it was a message about losing weight. One of these podcasts, but you got to lose the weight that easily besets you. That makes it so you don't fit in the word. Because the word not given for you. It's not. We got to be in one mind and we got to start challenging our homes and our churches to be in one mind. How can be how can we be in one mind if we don't even talk? How can you be in one mind if when the pastor says something, you don't tell him how you don't agree? You just sit there. You never you never tell them how you here's the thing. You don't study and read the word so that you can have an understanding so that you can go back to him and say, we're not in agreement on this. I want to get in agreement on this. Not approaching people and say you wrong. No, I'm not in agreement with you. Let's talk to get in agreement. Let's reason together. I'm all about that. Y'all know my stance. When I tell people stuff, I'm telling them in the scriptures, according to the scriptures. So it's not opinion. This is commandment. Now, if you don't understand it, you can say, please explain. Or if you understand it another way, you can share the way that you understand it. But once I reason with you. You're going to have to understand this way. Not because I know everything, but because God is everything and I read and learn of God. And if you read and learn of God, I have enough faith in the God in me that we will come to an agreement if we are in the same place. Now, you may see something on the surface because you stop digging that I can show you if you just dig a little further with me. That's why I'm, I'm not keen on us being right or wrong. I'm just keen on us being in agreement. 
Oh, I was wrong. Thank you for correcting me. No, 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 no. That's not the business we're in. We're not in the business of of pointing out who's right or wrong. Correction is just guiding someone. I'm just guiding you. Guiding you to the truth, a better understanding of it. So that we can be in agreement. That's what one mind means. One spirit. One spirit is so powerful because in order for us to be in one spirit, we have to be in one conviction. We have to be of one belief. We have to be of one purpose. He said, let this mind be in you. This also in Christ Jesus. We have to be understanding that all of us should have that mind. It's not hard to be in one spirit. Some people may say, well, we don't know each other's spirits. Well, here's the thing. When we are of one spirit, that means that we are of the word. Because the Holy Spirit just echoes the word. It reminds us of the word. It draws our attention and our focus back to the word. And we have to stand fast in one spirit. We have to stand fast in one spirit. We have to be consistently unmovable in one spirit. So many spirits in the church because we don't stand fast in one spirit. There's men that are taking advantage of the women. There's women that are taking advantage of the men. There's children who are lost and confused, who are struggling with their sexuality, with their identity. The spirits are just, it's just a cornucopia of spirits just all over the place. And we're not pulling together a standard against it because we're not standing fast in one spirit. There are young people that you should be talking with. There are young people that you should be reaching out to. There are young people you should be engaging with. You need to be engaging with them because you need to be fighting, stand fast. Today, we all be in one spirit and one mind, striving together. If we don't, we are not in unity and we are opening ourselves up to the works and the wiles and the schemes and the strategies of the enemy. He said all this. He said, whether I come to see you or I'm absent, that I may hear of your affairs. He was letting them know I we don't ha- I don't have to be there. I don't have to be there. I don't have to be there for you to know how to live this out. The church don't have to be nosy in your home. When I hear of your affairs, it should sound like oneness. It should sound like unity. Said it once, I will say this again. There are broken homes. When people come to church, not as a family, that's a broken home. When their mother and the father and the children aren't coming together, that's a broken home. You know your home is broken. What are you doing? Ask yourself that question. Write down what you're doing. Write down what you've been doing to bring one mind and one spirit to bring togetherness and unity in your home. Write down what you've been doing. 
If you don't know what to do, start looking in the scriptures. I'm sharing things, but read the scriptures, meditate, pray with that intention. That's the next question. How many of you have prayed with the intention to see unity in your homes? How many of you have prayed for opportunity to bring unity in your homes? How many of you have prayed for God's wisdom to help you, enlighten you, help you in your devising, help you in your creating of ideas and plans to bring unity in your home? I know. See, you're looking for some things. I want to give you a few things that can help you. Colossians 3.14 says, and above all things, put on charity. I need you to put it on. I need you to stop acting like love emanates from your heart. The Bible says that our hearts are continually wicked. Love is not something that comes from the inside. It comes from above. I have to grab these things. I have to grab these things. I have to put them on. It comes from my reading the word. It comes from my prayer. It comes from my intimate interaction with God. And when I receive these things, I'm putting love on. I doesn't mean I'm going to feel it because that's an inside thing. I'm not going to feel love, but I'm going to be in love. I'm going to walk in love. I'm going to be put charity on, which is the bond of perfect. Things come together and stay together because they stay in love. I was telling my mom about this video that I sent to one of my sisters. Um, This woman was she's a she's a beekeeper and she's a bee rescuer. So she goes to places where there's huge bee infestations and she saves the bees and also helps the people by getting the bees out of there. And so there was these bees that set up a. They're home in a grill. So she she opens the grill up and the bees are everywhere. She's just like slowly scooping them out and breaking off the honeycomb and putting it in this uh, box that she brought. And she says, well, the bees are not going to stay there until I find the queen. And so she digs through. She had to dig through like it almost looks like a million bees. And she's digging through to find these bees and She finds the queen. And the reason she knows it's the queen is because the queen is bigger than every other bee in there. There's never a bee that's bigger than the queen. God is awesome. So she grabs this queen. She puts it in the box. And now it's just a matter of scooping the bees over there to the box. And they stay because the queen is there. We have to understand it as believers in the kingdom of God. We are these drawing magnetized elements that draw people together. We draw people together so that we might draw them to God. It makes sense now why people would come from all over to engage with my mother. People of all walks of life. Some good, some not so good, some downright plum crazy. But she was a drawing element. Where she went, people went. And she is just a, a example of how we all should be. I've realized in my life, I've 
as I've grown in Christ, I've become a drawing element. He was right when he said, let this light so shine that men might see your good works and glorify your father, which is in heaven. He was right. He was letting us know the more you walk in the light, the more people are drawn to you. And your light will not draw them to you so they can be with you. It will draw them to you so they can see God. You don't have to worry about creating that distinction. You just got to be a light. It doesn't change. You don't get out of style. Light never is out of style. Let this light be in you. So the first thing was love. Love. We need to bring it back into our homes. We need to bring it back into our jobs. We need to walk in love. Those of you who are separated or divorced, your mission is not to restore your marriage. Your mission is to restore love. It broke apart because there was no love. I, I know people don't like hearing that. They say, no, I loved I loved her or I loved him. No, 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 no. What God puts together, no man puts asunder. Love is super glue. It is the bond of perfectness. When you see things fall apart, it's because it's no love. I'm seeing the church that I go to during this COVID. It's just exposing how fragile it was, and it's slowly falling apart because there's no love. There's no love. I have to challenge myself. There's people that frustrate me in the realm of church, but I have to have patience and love. I can't have dissimulation. I can't love one person and not love another. I have to really endeavor to love, to create a perfect bond It pulls us together in unity. And I got to challenge other people to do the same. Because if something's falling apart, it's because there's no love. And then I told you the second thing is what? We're supposed to be light. Light draws people. How can we be together if we don't first come together? Mm. How can we? Be together if we don't first come together. Be the light. Sometimes you draw you gotta be careful because some people not a part of you because you you didn't draw them with light, you drew them with something else. The people that are drawn by light are the people that's supposed to be there. And your love will keep them. The people that was drawn by lust. People that was drawn by greed, by manipulation, by lies, by deceit. The love of God won't keep them. The love of God will free them. (laughs) Finally, from your evil clutches, they'll be free. Look at 1 Peter 3 and 8. He says, finally, be all of one mind. Have compassion one of another. Love is brethren. Be pitiful. 
be courteous. You, I want you to know pitiful means be tenderhearted, be sensitive to the affairs of others, be courteous to them. You see what he's saying? He said, we got to be of one mind. Having compassion for another, one another. He's letting us know the mind to be in. If we not all compassionate one of another, we're not together. If I'm compassionate of you, but you are not, we're not together. We have to share compassion. We have to share love. We have to share sensitivity to one another. We have to share courtesy to one another, respect. That's what same mind means. Do we feel the same? Do we think the same? Are we in the same frame of mind? It's a family picture because we're all in the same frame. It's a family picture because we're on the same frame. If we are only together, if we're in the same frame of mind. You're not going to get to trick God and Photoshop yourself in and say, see, we're together. No, 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 no. You got to be in the same frame of mind. That's the powerful part of this. And like I said, this is this is a director's cut. This is uh, just an addendum. I I think I'm digging a little deeper in some things that I shared in the message, um, but also touching on the most important things for those who may not have heard the message. But if you are interested in hearing that message, you can reach out to me. Just go to realchurchmatters.com. There's a contact portion. You can contact. You can, you can even give. Shout out to those people who give. It helps. But to close, Acts 4.32 says, And the multitude of them that believe were of one heart, in one soul, neither said any of them that ought of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. See, if nobody looked at every the things they had as theirs, that's one mind. And because of that, nobody felt like they was being used. Everybody felt like they were a part of something great. You feel like you're being taken advantage of by your spouse because y'all are not of one mind. You feel like you're being taken advantage of by your kids because y'all are not of one mind. You feel like you're being taken advantage of by your family, by your boss, by your co-workers, because you're not of one mind. If you don't believe it, like just look, just pay attention. We have to have all things in common. That's harder in places where people don't believe, but for the believer and for your homes and for your churches, this should be where your head is. That should be your desire. How can I have unity in my home? How can I have unity in my life? How can I have unity in my heart? So many people I'm talking to and they're just so sick of church. Most notably, they're so sick of the church that I go to, and I want to convince them to not forsake the assembly. But there is no assembling if there's no assembly. There needs to be a gathering of believers that are together. Let me say this. Don't get fooled by the play on words and the, the rhyming and all of that stuff. It's just the way it comes out. 
But this is a truth you better live by. Because this is the truth you're going to be judged by. <laughs> so this needs to be the truth that you live by. This needs to be the truth that you die for. Because this is going to be the truth that you're judged by. So then we call this the fight of unity, the director's cut. (laughs) Shout out to my family. Love you. Shout out to my church. Love you. Everything that I'm saying is said in love. Everything that I'm saying is not an indictment of who you could be. It's an indictment of who you have allowed yourself to be. And we should be challenging one another, holding one another accountable to move towards greater. Please, by all means, if you want to hold me accountable, understand I will receive it in love. If you are doing it out of spite, I will still correct you in love. If you are doing it just for the sake of doing it, I will correct you in love. But if you really see where I can grow and you really see where I have missed the mark, Come, challenge me, reach out to me, challenge me, listen to this podcast, challenge me. Let's go deeper and let's do it together. 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 Obedience over audience, episode 149, Real Church Matters, where we talk Real Church Matters because Real Church Matters, I'm Forrest Hall. I love you. God bless. Praise his holy name. How wonderful is his name. I'm out.